0: If there is a significant drop-off at a particular stage of your customer's experience, that drop-off is an absolute sign that there's some kind of success gap hiding there and preventing these people from moving forward in their journey with trying and adopting and becoming long-term users of your product.
1: You're listening to Customer Show the podcast that explores what makes people tick, click, and buy. I'm your host, Caitlin Burgoyne. I'm a marketer by trade and a four-time founder by choice. And I believe whoever gets closer to the customer wins. So here's the multi-million dollar question. In a world where everyone is fighting for your buyer's attention, how do people like us marketers and entrepreneurs who want to drive more sales without working around the clock or resorting to shady marketing techniques, how do we persuade more customers to buy from us? That's the question, and this show has the answers. the last time you wanted to buy something, but you either canceled the purchase or walked away entirely because something went wrong. Maybe the product description confused you, or maybe you started searching for a new solution and you got overwhelmed because there were just too many options to choose from. Or perhaps you simply closed a checkout window because you couldn't figure out what the next step was. These are all examples of success gaps an invisible force that derails customers from achieving their desired outcomes. And in a world where customers seek convenience and speed above all else, an unchecked success gap can be the difference between hitting your sales targets or going broke. Success gaps can happen at any stage of the customer journey and come in all shapes and sizes. That's why I wanted to bring in an expert to help us better understand them. My guest today is Claire Solentrop, the co founder of Forget the Funnel and a SaaS marketing and growth expert. In this episode, Claire shares how your customers can help you figure out what your success gaps are, how to turn a gap into a money making opportunity, and how to get the rest of your team on board. So let's dive right into my conversation with Claire and hear how she explains a success gap. So, a
0: success gap is an experience or some kind of blocker that your customer would would have in their real day-to-day life that would prevent them from using or finding out about or having success with your product. And I say product that can also be your service offering or whatever it is you're selling. The tricky thing about them is they're oftentimes not related to what it is you are offering, they are something that you have minimal control over. You don't have 100% lack of control, but they're tricky to find unless you know how to go about finding them. Oh, very interesting. Okay, so to make
1: this tangible for people, can you tell me, Is do you have a real world example of a success gap that you've experienced personally or that you've seen a, somebody else experience where you're like, oh, that's a success gap?
0: Yes, oh my God, I have a super personal one that, I'm like dealing with right now and I'm a very motivated I, I'm as a like a customer super motivated to get over it, but it blocks people all the time. So I'm based in the United States, so this is this is somewhat related to the specific structure of health insurance in the United States. pretty messy topic also a fairly fairly boring topic. so we're not going to go into all the details. but the 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 TLDR is I am really investing in, I'm really committing to therapy this year and unpacking a number of things I need to work through. For anyone who's ever attempted to find a therapist and find a therapist in the U.S., the chore of not only finding someone who you might be a good fit to work with, but also who accepts your insurance is, I can't even describe what Mm a pain it is. I heard somebody once describe it as, someone with a broken leg having to like crawl to the doctor's office by themselves. Oh like it's goodness. just, it's just absurd. So all that said, an ex, a, a success gap that I'm experiencing right now is I, I found a therapist who I, I really appreciate her approach, but she is not in my insurance network, which means my insurance will not cover our sessions together currently. So I am paying out of pocket a fairly high dollar amount to do this work with this person. It's, it's, it's financially, it's a, it's an impediment if you don't have the income to be able to afford that. Now I can get those, I can get these sessions reimbursed, but I have to get um, a recommendation from a, from a doctor that this is warranted. Well, mm-hmm. I have just moved to, an, well, about a year ago, coming on a year ago, my husband and I moved to a new city in the middle of the pandemic. So I don't have a general doctor yet. So the success gap here for me is desire to go to therapy sessions. Thankfully, I'm, I'm very lucky in this time right now to be able to pay for them out of pocket, but it's not a sustainable option long term. I, I have to find a general practitioner, doc, a, a GP doctor. I have to find a doctor that is in my network. I have to find a doctor that is relatively easy for me to get to on a, a kind of tricky schedule. And then I have to go visit that doctor and get a recommendation that going to therapy is 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 warranted, all mm-hmm. before I can get these costs reimbursed. So yes. if I were not in a situation in which I were super motivated and willing to pay that cost up front myself, this therapist, even though none of this is her fault, would not have me as a customer, right? And mm-hmm. the number of other people who could use her services out there but aren't able, aren't able to successfully get access to them. Is huge, so that's a very like that's a very in the weeds success gap example that is something that I'm actually dealing with right now. My my appointment to meet with a a doctor for the first time is still like two weeks away.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness, I like resonate with this story so much. Like yourself, I've been very serious and motivated to look into doing therapy this year. Unfortunately, here in Canada, none of our, our our government plan doesn't cover that, so I will have to look into paying out of pocket. But even just finding somebody, you know, I reached oh out. Gosh. it's not the kind of thing you necessarily want to post to your whole social network. So right. I reached out to some people I trusted that I knew might have some contacts. And then they gave me a list of people and I went on all of their websites and I couldn't get a sense of, you know, what's the price structure. And like, can I do a call like on the phone or do I have to go to their office? Their office is in like this other part of the city. And just right. like the, yes. all of the barriers between me being able to sit on someone's couch right. and get help <laughs> have stopped me. And it keeps being the thing on my to-do list and until I end up having like a really rough day where I'm like oh my god I need
0: somebody to talk to you about this stuff yeah like a crisis moment that pushes Mm -hmm. me right it's so difficult yeah oh my gosh yes I'm so sorry to hear that you are struggling with very very similar success (laughs) gaps
1: but it's just I think it's such a great example this idea that we both want to give money to somebody We have the money to give, we have the desire to spend it, we have thought about people that might be the fit for it, yet there's still this barrier between actually being able to, you know, get those services. That's a great example. Okay, so my next question is probably now in light of this conversation, not as necessary, but like, so why are these success gaps so problematic? Let's think about this from the perspective of a, maybe a software company or a product based company, like
0: what will these...
1: Of stop you from doing? Why should you care?
0: You know, I, I think it's still a very valid question. The, the The big problem with success gaps is, and and this applies to the therapy example that you and I are discussing. This applies to a SaaS company. This applies to truly, again, anyone offering offering something for money. You don't know what these success success gaps are typically, unless you, unless you have heard about them from your existing customers, because in Mm -hmm. most cases, the people who want to pay you are motivated to pay you have some interest in what you have to offer. If they're being blocked by these success gaps, then they're not, they're not getting through to you, right? So it's very easy for success gaps to be a blind spot for a company because of that lack of visibility into them. Oh, that's such a good point. And I mean, I think about other buying experiences I've
1: had, whether it's trying to actually make the purchase or something that within the experience I don't get to the outcome that I want that isn't necessarily the fault of the company. Right. Rarely would I tell them. Like right. it's not the kind of thing I'm just gonna volunteer or I just kind of grin and bear it. So yeah, these these companies probably don't even know what right. those gaps are. Exactly. Okay. So let's talk about, uh, you know, the subject that you and I are so passionate about, which is marketing. So how can marketing play a role in helping, you know, potential customers
0: or current customers bridge these success gaps? Okay, so I'm going to lean on a story that was shared by Justine Jordan, also a brilliant and very empathetic marketer. She has had head of marketing roles at a number of different SaaS companies, but recently, my business partner, Gia, and I had a had Justine on to Forget the Funnel for an interview, and we, we discussed a similar topic. And she was head of marketing several years ago at a company that the people using the product day-to-day were developers, or the people responsible for implementing the product were developers. But the decision makers were executives. So different set of needs between these two people. Developers needed one thing. Executives needed to know why do we have to buy this thing? Can't you guys just do this yourselves? I'm saying guys in a collective way. Can't you just do this yourselves? Or isn't the current version of this same product just as good? So the end users, these develop this development team who wanted the product, experienced a success gap in which they couldn't, they oftentimes couldn't get approval. And so what Justine and her marketing team ended up doing uh, was partnering with. I believe she partnered with the customer success team on this. I would have to go re-listen to the interview to confirm that. But what they did was actually created a how to get buy-in guide that they wrote specifically for developers wanting to get this tool approved and implemented. So the guide walked through, hey, if you need to get your head of finance on board, or if you need to get your CEO on board, here are the talking points that you can use to make the case for why this is such a great business purchase. And that is an excellent example of using marketing collateral to help your customer who wants your product, wants to pay for it, bridge a success gap that otherwise you wouldn't really have much control over as a company. That is such a smart one. I love that
1: story. And I've experienced something similar. You know, When I first started working with companies and trying to help them to do more audience research, Mm -hmm. a big stopping point, whether it was a marketer that I was working with that does freelance work or somebody in-house, was that they couldn't get their clients or their teams to let them spend the time and certainly not money Mm -hmm. on doing audience research. And so I came up with a similar solution. It was like, I need to put together something to help them get buy-in. So for me, it was not nearly as Fabulous is what it sounds like Jordana created, but it was a, just like a little email template for how to get buy-in. But yes, when you see these gaps and it's like, oh, it doesn't matter how good I am at convincing this person that they will love the thing. If they can't get approval to use it, Mm -hmm. then you're not going to get them as a customer. So like, that's awesome. Okay, so... We you talked about sometimes companies won't know mm-hmm. what those success gaps are because they're not necessarily even getting through to those prospective customers. But let's say that you have customers like, and they maybe also be experiencing success gaps. Are there any kind of telltale signs that you there may be an ex, a
0: success gap in your customer journey? Totally. <laughs> so the, from my experience working with a, a lot of different com- different companies over the years. The hardest, the hardest place to tell that there's a success gap is when the the number of people who you are gaining as new uh, users or new customers is not as high as you want it to be. That's oftentimes internally misunderstood as, well, we're just not doing marketing like big enough. like we need to run more ads or we need to be doing guest webinars or we need to be doing whatever other tactic. That one's the toughest um, because, because of that kind of misunderstanding about well a, a lot of things about messaging and and the role of marketing, but to to answer more specifically what you were describing, let's say you've got customers who are coming in the door. How do you assess whether they are experiencing success gaps? If there is a if there is a significant drop off at a particular stage of your customer's experience, that drop off is an absolute sign that there's some kind of success gap hiding there. And preventing these people from moving forward in their journey with trying and adopting and becoming long-term users of your product. The, the exercise of customer experience mapping or customer journey mapping is something that Gia and I talk about a lot. And it's some it's an exercise that we use with sometimes marketing teams. Oftentimes, though, we, we use this exercise with leaders across lots of teams to help them, to help put them in the shoes of what that customer journey looks like. So that we can then go and measure how well the company is or is not doing at each of those stages. So an example of this could be I'm I'm moving outside the SaaS world for just a moment, but the an example could be let's say that you know you download a I don't know, a a well-being app, like a fitness app or something Mm -hmm. of that nature. And if I'm if I'm running this company that that you know offers this app and I see a lot of downloads but I see a huge drop-off in usage over time, I would be really interested in what is happening in those existing users' lives that's causing them to no longer use my fitness app. Are they they, losing motivation because their habits aren't supporting their fitness goals? And if so, how can I better help them set and stick to good habits? Is it that they're going through a difficult time in life? Do I have any control over that? What's, what's happening out there in the world that I can, for, for my customers, excuse me, that I can speak with them and learn about and then map back to either marketing collateral or in-app experiences that better support people through those, those success gaps.
1: Okay, let's take a quick time out. If you're listening to today's episode, I bet you're already imagining how you can apply all these ideas to your work. But before you go out and eagerly rewrite all of the copy on your website or change your whole marketing strategy, first, I need you to ask yourself this very important question. Do you know, without a shadow of a doubt, who your most valuable customer segment is? If not, you're in trouble. You don't have time to waste by chasing the wrong customers. Even with all of these ideas from our amazing guests, if you're chasing the wrong people, it's going to feel like an uphill battle. But if you're ready to stop wasting time on marketing that doesn't work and attract more dream customers, then I've got something you are going to love. I put together a free tool just for you. I call it my customer ranking calculator. Now in a matter of minutes, this quick exercise can help you to gain clarity around which customer segments you should focus on and which ones you may want to stop serving. That sounds good, right? So if you want to download this free tool, head on over to customercamp.co forward slash calculator. That's customercamp.co forward slash calculator. Okay, back to the show. Ooh, I love that you talked about, you know, can I speak with these customers and learn? Because I think you're hinting at one of my next questions, which is what does the process look like? How do you identify what these actual gaps are? You can identify where the falloffs are just probably by looking at some of the data, but now you need to know why those are happening. So walk me through how you figure out the why.
0: Yes. So I know that you and I are both very deep in the in the 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 world of customer research, and we're both big. Um, champions of the value of customer research. It can it, learning about your customers can happen in so many ways. It can be via sending a survey to a large number of your customers. My my preferred way, when possible, is to do customer interviews because the level of depth that you get of uh, of your customer's story is just unmatched. It's not always possible, so again, relying on something like surveys or analyzing, you know, user behavior, kind of. Uh, kind of behind the scenes is are, those are those are some alternatives in any case whichever form of customer research you use again my favorite being interviews is is critical it's a there's a need to get out of the building so to speak to get out of your own head and to understand what's happening in these people's worlds mm-hmm. a <laughs> i know that you have also had bob mesta on the show bob mesta is a a pioneer of this entire approach mm-hmm. of interviewing your customers, and using those interviews to uncover success gaps. And over the uh, recent holidays, I finally after it was on my list for a long time, I finally read one of his newer books, Demand Side Sales. Ah, so good. Such a good, easy
1: read too. I love when somebody that's as brilliant as he is, April Dunford's book is very similar, yes. is able to take something that could be really meaty and easily sprawl a thousand pages right. and put it into such a like, conde- like you know, digestible format. It's a, build, right. a delight to read.
0: Right. So you uh, clearly are, I mean, <laughs> we're reading all the same books. We think that all the same people are super smart. There's, there's, some excellent examples in that book of when interviews uncovered a success gap for customers. I'm trying to think of a good one. There's there's one use case in there where he's working with a housing development company and they're struggling to get the number of home purchases that they need to hit their revenue goals. So, Bob and his partner interview people who have bought homes in this new development to understand what gaps existed in, in their experience. And think about moving, right? Moving sucks. Mm -hmm. There's, there were so many different gaps they uncovered. Just one example, I, I won't spend too much time on this, but just one example being the burden of moving and storing all of your belongings when you're moving from, you know, a large home that you've lived in for decades to this development was small one and two bedroom condos. So through customer interviews, Bob and his partner learned, wow, one of the biggest success gaps for our, for our buyers is they don't know what they're going to do with all their stuff. And so what they ended, what they ended up doing was building onto or next to the development storage unit and access to the storage unit came as part of your home purchase costs. And the storage unit included a little like seating area where, you know, it, buyers who were moving into this development could when their their children um or their grandchildren came over, they could go over to the storage unit and gradually sort through their belongings and start to start to downgrade, give some of their their items away. So that was I, I can't I'm not I'm not going to get the stats right from the book. The book itself is a better reference, but that had a that had a tangible impact on sales and therefore on revenue and is just one great example of adapting your customers' experience in order to overcome one of those success gaps that previously, as a, as a housing development, you're not necessarily responsible for, right? Such a
1: good example. I love that example. And I think it becomes so clear too, again, it's not something that is necessarily your job to fix, right, right. but not fixing it sounds like it can have a huge impact on your sales. So exactly. it's in your yeah. best
0: interest to fix it, <laughs> go to so find it. Right, right. <laughs>
1: Okay. So we've chatted about this a little bit. So when you're working with teams, you're helping them to map their buying journey. And in that they're starting to kind of identify where there are some places where people might be falling off or the experience might be causing more friction. And once you've identified those,
0: how do you come up with ideas like the storage room? Like how, how does, where does that come from? Oh my gosh, this is where, this is where team brainstorming gets really, really fun. So there's a company that I've been working with for several months now, we're still still in the process of figuring out how to bridge a number of success gaps that their customers have. But going back to that discussion around customer experience mapping or customer journey mapping, when I began working with this company, their general manager was already really, thankfully, really bought into the idea of leveraging customer research to improve performance. And prior to me coming on board, he had guided the team through about, I can't remember the the exact number, but about 30 customer interviews. He's also, this general manager is thankfully very, very much on board with the same approach that, that you and I champion. So they'd done these interviews and he knew the value of them. He didn't really have the tools to be able to say, okay, team, now take these interviews and fix everything. So my role in coming on board was to help them unpack the insights from those interviews and figure out what needed to be fixed. So we we took that customer research and using that research, I, I worked with the head of marketing and the head of customer success. They don't have a head of sales. It's a very self-serve product. But I, I worked with the head of sales and head of customer success and the founder and this general manager to Define, and it really wasn't me doing it, it was just me facilitating the process, but to define what stages existed for people going through this experience. And as they defined those stages, we also defined KPIs that represented whether or not someone was successfully getting to each stage or not. From there, it was, honestly, it was like a magical moment. But from there, once we had those KPIs in place, and we took specific quotes from these customer interviews, and we pasted them into each stage to represent what customers were thinking and what they were feeling during these moments, the ideas based on that customer research just came flowing from the team. Like the head of customer success, she was amazing. She, Based on these these quotes that customers shared about concerns they had had at those stages or objections or reasons they couldn't make a purchase, she was like, oh, This is a great. This is a great space for us to set up a chat on that exact page Mm -hmm. and answer the questions that people are asking about A, B, and C, or for our like if for those who are looking at the higher tier, we could even offer like a consultation call so that they can make sure they can they can be they can be better assured during the trial process that excuse me that the way that the software is set up is configured correctly for them. It was it was seeing the it was seeing these struggles. Or seeing these these quotes describing where people were feeling concerned or where they were feeling uneasy that triggered just all kinds of ideas from her, and I I've, I have found doing that as a team exercise I have found that to be so valuable. It it gives people a clearer sense of what's a good idea versus what's just like an internal pet idea that doesn't actually speak to any of those struggles. Does that answer your question? Not sure if oh, I got it. Yes, it's so good. Yes, so good. Like
1: all I'm thinking, like as you're talking, I'm like, yes, like this is, I think, such a big challenge for, for teams. It's a challenge for marketers who are coming in and working with a team is how do you take insight from the research that you're doing? Yes. How do you, you know, socialize that with the team in a way that helps them to care about right. <laughs> about right. the research and to also feel ownership over it. And then also to actually get them to that level of empathy. They may not have been on the calls with those customers. They not may not have been the one going through, you know, maybe there's transgression of those calls and picking out all of the mm-hmm. nuggets, but the way that you presented that, that back to them, it allowed them to come along that empathetic journey and therefore come up with all those great
0: ideas. Like that sounds like it was a huge win for that team. You hit on something that I think is so critical here and so easy to skip steps on as as potentially a lone team member who realizes the value of customer research, but is having trouble getting other people on board with it. A success gap is other people not understanding the value of that research. Mm. And so the more that that you can get other people involved in either running the interviews or just like you said, if not running them, then parsing them and pulling out um, significant quotes, the more likely you're able to overcome that you'll be to overcome that success gap of people saying, "Why do we need to do this? Why don't we just skip to the chase and like just do some brainstorms and pick a tactic and get over it?" Mm-hmm.
1: Or the other thing that I see teams wanting to do a lot, which is they want to outsource all of the research and analysis and just bring us the insights, but. Yeah. The challenge with that is that like one of these things I say is like empathy doesn't travel through osmosis. Like right. if yeah. you really want to have your teams be empathetic to your customers' challenges and therefore be able to come up with the right solutions, not just the ones that are their favorite pet projects. Right. Then right. they need to actually get to participate in some fashion. And this is such, yeah, such, you know, we're definitely on the same page around that. But this idea that you know, identifying this, this discuss- guy if one person goes off and does this and then brings them all back to the team and says, hey, look at these and just right. like puts them out on the table, people are going to go, okay, yeah. But cool. like if they get to be part of identifying those and if they get to be part of the exciting, like next step of now what? Mm-hmm. Like now you've got people who are really bought in. Right. Yeah.
0: I think you said it perfectly.
1: Oh, so exciting! Okay, so let's let's think about this in the you know you know in a in a sense of bigger companies, companies that maybe people will recognize and know. Yes. Do you are there any examples? Of, you know, bigger companies that have done a really good job of bridging some of those success gaps for their customers. Any examples that come to mind?
0: Yes. So this is super timely in that this particular style of company has. Kind of risen to risen to the mainstream or risen to fame in the past ten years, I would say, like max ten years or so. A great example of a company recognizing a success gap and investing in fixing it as part of their experience and winning Mm -hmm. is Casper, the mattress company, and then every other company that has copied Casper and emulated their like, we'll mail you a mattress in a box model. Mm -hmm. So. Huge success gaps exist in the conventional way of going to a mattress store and having a salesperson like follow you around and laying on these mattresses and not really knowing what you're looking for and being kind of grossed out and not knowing like if we take this home and this mattress, you know, sucks and my back hurts in three months, like what do we do? Then we have this mattress. Horrible buying process, right? Like horrible customer journey.
1: If you can even find a way to get it home, you have to pay exactly. the company to bring it home. Then you have to try to fit it through your door. Maybe you have yes. a round staircase. There's so many problems. There's so many steps yeah, there.
0: Oh my god, it's terrible. Yes, I'm so glad you added the like. What if I do make the purchase? Like uh, steps. It's just it's just awful. I remember making my own purchase like that many years ago. Like my first like I'm a grown up mattress and the process of getting it up a curved like set of stairs. Oh my God, there's so, there's so many expletives. So Casper, and again I I say Casper plus every every other company that has adopted the boxed mattress mailed to you model, because it worked so well. There have been so many copycats, did away with a lot of those success gaps, which is why they now have I, Again, my numbers are going to be crappy and we should do actual research to that, to verify them. I, either they are steadily gaining market share year over year or they have the majority market share while traditional mattress company market share has shrunk drastically. Uh, again, a a thorough Google search is required. Please fact check me on that. Casper is such a good example. I love that you brought them up.
1: Okay. So at this point, everyone's probably wondering, well, holy moly, this is like a huge opportunity. And also like how do if we don't know what our success gaps are, we can't fix them. So now I want to take action. So I know that this is a topic that you
0: and Gia actually have some content on. Is that something that we can refer people to? Yes. Oh my gosh. So there's a couple of different things that come to mind. So the approach that we take, and I say approach, there, there are as you well know there are so many different ways to go about learning about your customers and uncovering their success gaps so dependent on your situation and the customers you serve and so on the the type of customer research that's appropriate is going to change but if if i had to zoom out a bit the the approach is essentially i would say bucketed into the phases of identify where within your customer experience your your you have an opportunity to do better So again, that's looking at like, do we know that our, you know, new signup rates are okay, but then our conversion from free free users to paying customers is terrible. Like, there's clearly a problem there, or whatever else it may be. Maybe we get paying customers, but then they stop engaging with our product like six months down the line. What is happening? It's it's a it's a process of identifying where you have opportunity to do better from a revenue perspective in your business, and then doing research mapping out what you've learned from the research in terms of what what you've learned your customers' real life experiences and what those success gaps are, and then iterating on implementing fixes to those success gaps. And then you do it all over again on a cycle. At a high level, we call that approach customer-led growth. And there was a there was a write-up done on it not too many months ago, late last year. It describes customer led growth at that level in a bit more eloquent way than I than I just have. So that as a resource is totally free and is a really good primer for just understanding what in the world process I'm talking about and as a tool for getting other people, you know, within your team or your company thinking about this approach. We have uh, a lot of free workshops that talk a little bit more about customer interviewing tactics. We have free workshops that talk about a a little bit more detail on what customer journey mapping is and and what's involved there. All of those free workshops live on our website at forgetthefunnel.com slash resources. So those workshops are part of a huge library of video content we've created over the past several years to help people with this work. And then we also do have... a a pro level of forget the funnel that includes a guided, much more step by step program that helps people implement customer led growth within their companies. So we got the easiest like free bite sized resource, we have slightly more in depth free video resources, and then we have actual much more guided support around implementing customer led growth on the pro level. So So incredible!
1: So incredible! <laughs> I will link to all of this. People definitely need to check it out. It's funny, as you, as you were talking, it reminded me, I remember where I first discovered what you and Gio were working on with Forget the Funnel. And I was, I'm in a um, Facebook group for startups in Canada called uh, Startup North or, yes. or Startup or something. And you guys had written an article and you, a Medium article, and you posted a link to it there and you said, we're working on this thing. And I remember going in and reading the article and being like, oh my God. God, this needs to exist in the world (laughs) as a marketer working with startups. You identified so many success gaps that were stopping me from being able to be successful to help these companies. And so it's really funny that it's kind of like full circle. Now, that was probably like three years ago. That's right. And I'm. I'm so grateful that that brought us together. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so grateful because I just, I think that the work that the two of you do is so important. And whenever I have an opportunity to refer somebody your way, I always do. And so our listeners go take advantage of those free resources and tell your bosses <laughs> that they need to sign you up for the pro version and forget the final. So you get Claire and Gia's brilliance like on demand <laughs> and are able to like actually go on to like calls <laughs> with them, Q&As yeah. and really get to oh, start yeah. <laughs> working with the system. <laughs> in your business because you're going to be a lot better at your job and your bosses are therefore going to get to
0: grow a lot faster if you have their brilliant support behind you. So make that happen. Thank you for that plug. And I also want to call out that in our our free resource library, one of the, one of the past workshops that I send people links to all the time is the audience research workshop that you did with us. That was a goldmine of getting insights on not your current customers, which we have, again, like plenty of methods for, but a goldmine of information on how to get really good insights from people who you want to become your customers. That is truly, and I say this like without bluffing, that is truly one of the resources I link to the most. It's so good.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Well, this has been an absolute treat. Anytime I, get, as I said, you know, anytime I get to talk with you, I know that I'm going to learn a lot. I'm really excited now as we look at, you know, continuing what we're doing at customer camp, getting back in there and starting to do our, like we're always doing research, but I feel like I really want to take some of what you've just shared and go in a, a more exacting way and identify yes. where the success <laughs> gaps are for us because I know we have some
0: and I'm so excited to to work on fixing those. So thank you. Absolutely. And to be quite candid, every company everywhere has success gaps. Even within our forget the funnel pro experience, like we have documented success gaps that I am actively responsible for working on and, and solving in this quarter. So it's not, it's not something to think of as like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not something something to think of as like, your company just has a problem every company has these and there it, it's a it's a cycle of constantly iterating to make them smaller and smaller and smaller
1: <laughs> amazing so you heard it here folks go out start talking within your team start talking to customers and start identifying those success gaps so you can help your customers bridge them and make more
0: money and get more yes. happy people into your yes. ecosystem
1: <laughs> thank you so much claire again
0: thank you so much for having me
1: hey there I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to the show. I absolutely love getting nerdy with you and our guests each week. It is just so much fun. And speaking of nerdy marketing stuff, have you heard about the power of reciprocity in marketing? Reciprocity is one of the best methods you can use to persuade people to take action. It's simple. Give something small for free before you ask for a sale. You see this all the time in marketing. Sometimes it's a free sample, a free trial, or even a free podcast like this one. With that in mind, I've got a small favor to ask. If you've gotten at least one aha moment while listening to the show, could you go to Apple Podcasts and give Customer Show a five-star rating? It'll only take a few seconds, and ratings are really the best way to help new people discover the show. I see every rating and am beyond grateful for each one. And who knows, maybe one day you'll need something from me and then I can return the favor for you. So thanks again.